to the Apostle Paul as different churches would send him out. And then he would come back and they'd get to tell him, hey, tell us what's going on. And he'd sit there and he'd probably talk and talk and talk and, and they'd be excited, but they, they wouldn't get it completely because they weren't there. So you guys, you guys have been changed. And I'm excited for that. Uh, and as she said at the end, if you want to hear more, invite them over for dinner. There shouldn't be a weekend where they eat at home till Christmas. Any of them. Uh, we got a gluten, gluten-free request. She's bringing salad. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23 and 24. Joshua 23 begins like this. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the leaders, the elders, the judges, and the officers of Israel. He said to them, I am now a very old man. Chapter 24, verse 29. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Unless Jesus returns, the hard truth of life is that every single one of us is going to die. Some, like Joshua, know when that time is coming. Some people have a chance to say their goodbyes gracefully. Last weekend, Heather Blackburn was on the west side of the state to celebrate the memorial of a friend of hers from college, 31-year-old young man. He had a cancer that he knew he wouldn't beat, and in the months leading up to this last weekend, he had a chance to say goodbye gracefully. Now, other times, death comes unexpectedly. I've stood at the graveside of several of you with your loved ones, wishing that we could have said one more goodbye. Most of us don't know which end we will have. You know, that chance to gather people together or an unexpected homecoming. If you haven't heard, last Sunday night, my father-in-law suffered his third stroke of this year. This one was bad. The ER docs on Sunday night and the Monday morning said, you know, if you hadn't brought him in, he'd be gone. The surgeon Monday morning said what we have to do is a life-saving surgery. Needless to say, this has been a long and trying week in a lot of ways. Most of the prep for this morning's message was done Monday, this past Monday, as I sat in the waiting room with the family with a lot of questions. Is Roger, is is dad going to make it through surgery? If he does, what will life be like? What will the next weeks, what will the next months, what will the next years look like? Why, God? Why? You know, in all the questions this week, we have rested in the goodness of God. And we have been surrounded by the prayers of many, and we have have felt that. A quick update. Since the brain surgery on Monday, um, Roger has developed two types of pneumonia. He has had an ongoing fever. He's got something called ARDS, which is the stiffening of the lungs. Uh, He's been up to 100% oxygen, 
There's tubes and cords everywhere. You know, it doesn't look good, but God is still good. Amen? In a lot of ways, our text for this week really hit home. You see, in Joshua's 23 and 24, Joshua, this, this crazy devoted servant of the Lord who has served Yahweh faithfully, he's led the troops in overtaking the promised land. He's, he's the man that God has given the rest that uh, chapter 23 verse 1 talks about. He knows that his time is up. He knows that his time on this side is about to end. So what he does, how he finished, is something that we should all learn from. You know, chapter 23, verse 1, you heard me read it just a second ago. Joshua called together all the leadership of Israel. The elders, the judges, the, the officers. In 24, verse 1, he calls together all of them. It says, then Joshua summoned all of the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. On Sunday night, when the ambulance was on its way, Roger did not have a chance to gather together the friends and family. He did not have a chance to say any words to us, but I wonder what he would have said. You know, in our text, Joshua does have this opportunity to share. And he's very direct with what he shares. He has a message he wants to communicate. And he communicates the same message to the leadership in chapter 23 and to all of Israel in chapter 24. And he begins quite simply with this. He says, remember. Remember. Remember what God has done. In 23 verse 3, right before he says, I'm now a very old man. You have seen Everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. So Joshua says, you've seen it, so remember it. Read the story of your own life. Be quick to look back at what God has done in you, through you, by you. Remember what he has done. He tells the leadership in chapter 23, verse 9 and 10, Guys, remember this. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you. And no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you would put to flight a thousand of the enemy. For the Lord your God will fight for you just as he has promised. Chapter 23 verse 14 he says, Guys, soon I am going to die. Going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. So he says, remember this. In chapter 24, as he's gathered the people, verses 2 through 13, Joshua recounts the story of Israel. The history of Israel. He goes back even before Abraham to Abraham's father, and he speaks of all God has done. He says he's brought a family from worshiping other gods to now worshiping Yahweh. He's relocated this family. He's blessed this family. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph in Egypt. Joshua doesn't forget any of these details as he's calling them to remember. There was Moses. There was Aaron. 
There were the plagues in Egypt, the exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea. Joshua recounts the challenges on the east side of the Jordan, the crossing then of that mighty river and the victories over the peoples in the promised land. And Joshua reminds the people of God's words to them in chapter 24, verse 11. He says, when you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you. As did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I, this is God talking, but I gave you victory over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out those two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you the land you had not worked on. I gave you the towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you the vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Joshua, by retelling these stories, is saying, remember what God has done. What's great to see is that later in chapter 24, we get to see and hear the Israelites as they are in the act of remembering. This is coming from their voice, chapter 24, verse 17 and 18. They said, For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, He preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites, the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for He alone is our God. Did you hear what they were doing? They were remembering. One of the things that my mother-in-law, Kathy, said prior to the boys seeing pop-pops, them seeing Grandpa, Grandpa at Sacred Heart, was something I've heard many people say before. I don't want them to see him like this. I don't want this to be what they remember. I understand that. And it's out of that desire that I want to encourage you guys to begin remembering now. Begin remembering now. Begin remembering before the hospital bed gets rushed by your relatives in the hallway on the way to life-saving surgery. Sit down with your kids your grandkids, your own parents. Begin reflecting on what God has done for you. Begin remembering what He has done in your life and the lives of your loved ones. And then write it down. Videotape it. Scrapbook it. Journal these memories. And then future generations will be able to remember what God has done. Future generations will remember His story, the one He's continually writing, and the one that will continue to be told. Remember what God has done. These are instructions from Joshua as he recognizes he's an old man to an entire tribe. But Joshua did not stop right there. He did not simply say, remember what the Lord Almighty has done for you and that's it. No, he challenges the people to respond. He challenges them to respond. He says, look, God has done some amazing things. What are you going to do about it? You cannot just sit on your keister from here on out remembering the good old days. Respond, Joshua says. 
One of his most quoted uh, challenges to response hangs in a frame on, a, on, a, on my wall at home. You guys know this, Joshua 24, verse 15. But if you refuse, Joshua said, to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that they served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, as for me and my family, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Now, this was not Joshua's only call to respond. He says many times, as if God has done this for you, now you should respond like this. Verse 6 in chapter 23. Respond and be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the left or to the right. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Don't even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God. as you have done until now. God has done this for you, Joshua says, so you should do this in verse 11. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. He has done this for you. So in 24 verse 14, he says, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Respond by serving the Lord alone. Now as was the case when Joshua called them to remember, and we saw the Israelite people remembering, Joshua calls them to respond, and we see the people responding. Verse 16 in chapter 24, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Verse 21, but the people answered to Joshua, they responded to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Well, you're a witness to your own decision, Joshua said, you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. That's response. When my father-in-law had his first stroke in January, when he had his second stroke in March, there were calls to respond from the doctors, from the physical therapists. Remember your stroke, now do this. Do these types of exercises, eat this, don't eat that, be at this appointment at this time so that we can check this level and see what's going on. These were the calls to respond. As they took him off sedation on Tuesday, poked him, prodded him, pinched him, yelled at him. They were calls to respond. I sat at lunch with the family on Monday in the cafeteria of Sacred Heart, and I saw Roger's two sons responding to the strokes that their dad had had. I looked down the table, and one of them was eating a salad. The other one was eating a deli sandwich with plenty of vegetables. I, on the other hand, was eating a fried chicken sandwich with french fries. The oldest brother looks at me and says, James, you know what I did yesterday? I ran. 
For the first time in 20 years, I ran. It was awful. (laughs) But I'm going to keep doing it. He's responding to what he has seen happen. Joshua says, remember and respond. God is calling us to do the same. As we sit around and reflect, as we sit around and remember all that God has done, he's asking us to respond. So yes, we can remember the times he provided for us financially. And out of those times, we can respond and help somebody else financially. We can remember the times God has healed us of certain sicknesses or ailments and and we can respond by by being a support network for other people who are going through that, for for praying for them. And, And I think God calls us to respond in those everyday ways and those everyday things, but I think he also calls us to something bigger. He's calling us just like he called the Israelites to respond to our to to him with our entire lives. It's as if he's saying, Look, my children, I've become one of you. I've put on humanity and become fully dependent on my earthly mother Mary for the basic necessities of life. I went from that to choosing a cross for you. Now what are you going to do about it? Are you going to respond back fully to me? Will you let me heal you of your sickness of self? Will you choose to die to yourself and live for me? Will you choose to respond? Now, it is our response. We choose today whom we will serve, and we will serve the Lord with everything. Joshua is calling us to remember, he's calling us to respond. Finally, though it may not come from the mouth of Joshua himself, the story itself calls us to rest. To rest in a rest that only God can bring. We see this right off the bat. 23 verse 1. The years passed and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Several scholars think that that it had been about 20 years since the final battles that Joshua had led the people to, to take the promised land. So as we enter chapter 23 and chapter 24, the people and Joshua, they've had about two decades of God's rest. And I tell you what, that must have been wonderful. Rest after all the work of war. Rest after all the work of resettlement. Rest after all the other adjustments. That must have been phenomenal. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, come to him and he will give you rest. In our story, the rest from God comes in a couple of different ways. We already saw that it comes from rest from our enemies. I'm assuming if you're a follower of Christ, at some point you have had some sort of spiritual persecution, some sort of spiritual warfare. But how many of you have have, have had that and it has stayed with you every single minute of every single day of your Christian walk? None of you, right? Because God has given us rest from that. Will it come back? More than likely. Okay? But he gives us seasons of rest. Rest from our enemies. Now, in our text, there is also a rest that is found in death. Chapter 24, verse 29 and 30. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. 
They buried him in the land that he had been allocated at Timnath Sarah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. You jump down and the acting priest during Joshua's reign, verse 33, Eleazar, son of Aaron, also died. He was buried in the hill country of Ephraim, in the town of Gibeah, where he had been given, uh, which had been given to his son Phineas. Rest in death. My family and I are grateful to God that He has not chosen yet to give Roger that rest in death. It's given us a week to prepare. A week to say goodbyes. A week to say, okay, if you want to do a miracle, do it. But if not, God, we know that Roger's going to rest in you. Again, there's a lot of your loved ones who have been resting in death. And that is a rest that is greater than any rest we could even begin to imagine here on earth. Now in our text, there's more than just rest from our enemies, more than just rest from death. I would also say that in this passage, we see rest that is found in obedience. Verse 31 of chapter 24. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. Those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. To, this, to, to me, this says when we are faithful to obey what God has commanded us, when we are faithful to walk in his way, there is a rest that is found in that. It's hard to explain. In fact, it's probably best to understand it by experience. So, so my challenge, my encouragement to us today would be to obey. And then out of that obedience, you will find rest. I don't believe that you can rest yourself into obedience. Yeah, that's why we had the first 22 chapters of Joshua showing that they obeyed, they obeyed, they obeyed, and then God gave them rest. So I don't believe you can rest yourself into obedience. It's the other way around. You have to obey first, and then God will give you rest. Joshua calls us to remember, to respond, and we'll get rest. Now, there's always going to be ifs, right? There's always going to be ifs. The, the continuing story with my father-in-law, we, we are experiencing those ifs. There's a good chance that if he doesn't make it, he will never see my sons compete again. If he does make it, what, what, will, what will life look like? If he does make it, will he be able to return to the house he's known since 1995? There's a real if. That he's going to see Jesus soon. Now, none of those ifs are punishment for him. None of those ifs are as a result of sin. Those are just ifs in life. In our text, though, Joshua says there are other ifs. And I would be a poor pastor if I uh, preached on these two chapters and did not show you those ifs. Joshua says, if the people of Israel chose not to obey, chose not to remember, chose not to respond, if 
you don't do that, then things may not go well for you. Joshua 23, verse 12 and 13. But if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles for your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land that the Lord your God has given you. Verse 16. Verse 15, excuse me, but as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things he has promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. He will completely destroy you from this good land that he has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you and you will quickly vanish from the good land that he has given you. Chapter 24, verse 19 and 20, Then Joshua warned the people, You're not able to serve the Lord, for He is holy and a jealous God, and and He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, He will turn against you and destroy you, even though He has been so good to you. Joshua says, If you don't, then God won't. It's a simple call. Joshua says, Remember. Respond. There's going to be rest. But I'll tell you how it is. If you don't, God won't. I implore you guys to do the things Joshua calls the Israelites to do in our story. Do them today. Do them tomorrow. Do them Tuesday. Remember. Respond. Rest. Don't mess around with the if you don'ts. I'm not saying that life will be guaranteed easy. Roger loves Jesus. Roger has faithfully served him. He's given his entire life's work and his, his entire being to him. And these, these strokes still happen. So I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. I'm simply telling us what Joshua told the people of Israel. And for us, when the realities of a husband or a a father or a father-in-law or a grandpa, when death knocks very, very closely on the door, it makes you stop. It makes you read a couple of chapters like this in a very different way. In a way that connects more than just here. But it connects here. Carly had asked me to preach short today. That didn't happen. Do with today what you would. I trust God will use it. Let's let's pray. Lord God, you have done amazing things in my life, in my wife's life, in my father-in-law's life. And we choose today to remember what you have done. And Lord God, out of this, we're going to respond to you be the glory. You're a good God all the time, and we trust that. God, I ask that you would help us as a people of First Church who have a history. God, we've got a history of 124 plus years. Help us to remember. Help us to respond, Lord God, and then give us that rest. 
Jesus, I ask you this from a broken, humble heart. And I ask it in your name. Amen.